Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Mindset Nebula podcast, where we talk about tech, we talk about SAP, we talk about design, and we just talk about kind of whatever interests us. Uh, with us, as always, is of course me, Paul, and we have the newly moved and still sitting in sparse rooms, John. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing, you know, I'm I'm standing up to do this podcast. I feel like I'm in a Ooh. recording studio. Like at any moment, I could drop like some rhymes or some spit some. Oh fire man, to the bust a <laughs> bust a beat, bust a beat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, with us is our 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 the person who has the most solid internet of any of us, coming to us from lovely Colorado. It's Jen. Hey Jen, how you doing? Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. <laughs> um, <clears throat> with us today, we have a special guest lecturer, um, uh, Dr. Amy Lund, PhD, uh, oh, professor of marketing at Mindset Consulting. And this is th- this is cool for me because I don't know shit about marketing. I, I mean, I kind of know. I know sort of the activities you do, sort of, Amy, but I don't know like philosophical underpinnings of the practice of marketing and stuff. So I am hoping that we can dive deeper into both what is marketing a little bit anyway, and then kind of what you do when you do it with, with us at Mindset. So okay. uh, I think kind of our standard operating procedure is to, with our guests, you get to give us and our listeners the extended bio, the extended CV, the extended professional story of Amy Lund doing things professionally. So please hit us with the story of Amy. Wow. Well, thank you for that introduction, Paul. That was super nice. And, um, but <laughs> uh, let's see. I would have to probably start my, my overview by talking about all the things that you just said that aren't true. So, oh, okay. not a doctor. Okay. Huh. <laughs> well, that's got it. Oh, our, pro- our producer's got that wrong then. I, uh, we'll have to get to those guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I have worked in marketing. So, um, and I do market, uh, marketing at, at Mindset. So, I'm very happy to do that. Um, but, yeah, thanks for, for having me on today. Um, very excited to be here. And, um, yeah, so tell us the, tell um, us the story. Tell us your professional time. story. Yeah, so well, I do marketing, as you pointed out, and I do marketing for technology companies. My entire career has been doing um, marketing for um, mostly high-growth technology companies, and I started like 25 years ago, so um, the opposite of Jen. Um, I know, I, and I listen every week, and everybody's like talking about all this like stuff, and but I'm, you know, I, I like to think of myself as maybe, you know, the potential to have been your babysitter at one point, or all of yours, because <laughs> I'm like the generation ahead. Um, so I've been with a lot of tech firms, a lot of high-growth tech firms. That's been my specialty area. And, um, yeah, it's been a great a great career. I love technology organizations, and I love marketing. So for me, it's been, I, uh, I've been living the dream. So, so what, what got you? what got you into it? How'd you get into it? Well, I mean, well, I started with it. You know, uh, I, I graduated from the University of Minnesota uh-huh. with a highly lucrative and in-demand degree, English. So, Prestigious. Of course, 
<laughs> the world was my oyster at that point. And um, <laughs> so went, got, you know, got into marketing as a young um, graduate. And, and I think one of the things, the first thing about marketing is there's lots of flavors of marketing. So consumer packaged goods marketing is really different than medical marketing. High growth marketing is really different than um, a more established company. And so I was fortunate enough uh, that my first job was with a, a, uh, a high growth technology company and, um, and, and therefore all the rest of them really were as well. <laughs> and it, it was an area that, um, that really was one that I built on over the course of my career. So the first company I was with was a smaller one, Venturian. They they did software. But the second opportunity I had was with a company called Net Perceptions, which was really um, a great experience. We were venture funded. We were venture funded by a company called Hummel and Lad, uh, which meant that we had the benefit of um, advice and leadership from a woman named Ann Lindblad, who's really well known in the tech industry, and mm-hmm. that really opened up a ton of doors, um, both from an educational point of view and um, both for the organization from a professional point of view, but just, you know, really um, offered a great understanding of what it, it took to really grow a technology business, and both on the technical side and on the marketing side. Uh-huh. In that particular environment, we IPO'd in um, about four years. So I was employee 17, and, and we had hundreds of employees in an IPO in 1999. So like I said, quite a, quite a while ago um, for you guys. I guess I have a real quick question for you then. So you were employee number 17, mm-hmm. you IPO'd. Clearly, you're a billionaire now. Why are you still in the marketplace? This is my True. Question. Well, <laughs> a billionaire. Yeah. Um, I, so, what does it say about factual things? Um, I think so. Not a doctor and not a billionaire. But, um, but yeah, of course. <laughs> um, All of my show prep is wrong here. What's going on? I, I know. Like, everything you thought you knew about marketing is, is not. It's, Blowing your mind. Um, you know, it was, um, I did get, like many uh, um, employees, uh, I did have options and they did, um, it did, it did end up working out really well for me in that environment. And so, yeah. Um, and but why am I still here? Because I love doing technology marketing. So nice. I think uh, I certainly didn't make billions of dollars. So, okay. Um, okay. But I think I think there's there's even more more richness in my history. So so anyway, can't be measured uh, in dollars, huh? Oh wow! I can't be measured in dollars. What a lovely story, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) So, perceptions was a great experience, um, great outcome. um, From there, I went. um, I did some consulting of my own for a few years. I had a child in there, and, and one of the things about um, technology and technology marketing is it's kind of a, um, an hours-intensive crew, and so when I had my daughter, I, I did consulting, which was a little bit easier to control my calendar, and then mm-hmm. um, and then I was with another company called Ideas, uh, which was eventually purchased by SAS, um, and then um, some others. So for me, I've been with five tech firms. For six tech firms, uh, five of them have had um, their exits, their exits, most of them through acquisition, um, one of them through IPO, and mm. it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's 
uh, they they have a lot of similarities, but um, but they're always it's always different and a great always. I, I love the technology. I love working with technology people and um, a lot of fun. So, so along those lines, at least, at least when I think about, when I think about you and your past expertise and then, and then jumping into mindset, I like in the past for me, whenever I worked at, at a, at a place where SAP, SAP and SAP tech people were part of the, the larger system, SAP has always felt like different than other parts of tech, if you know what I mean. So my, my question to you is, so moving into a role with, with mindset where a lot of what we do is so focused on SAP, what, what's that translation process for you from stuff in the past to doing things in mindset now with that focus in SAP? Yeah, no, I think that's a really good question. And um, I think, you know, the first thing about marketing is, is and I get asked that question every single time I interview for a job, but I think that the, the thing about marketing is it, it doesn't really matter what you're selling. It matters what you're, um, what people are buying, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, the thing about technology marketing and technology people, um, who you're selling to, at the end of the day, you know, we all have areas of expertise. And in, in the community we're in right now, people have rich expertise in SAP. Um, but fundamentally, there's still people, right? They're people who are worried about their jobs. They're people that mm-hmm. have a big problem at work that they're trying to solve. Um, you know, they're people that want promotion. And mm-hmm. fundamentally, I think when you're selling technology, you know, where you start is understanding that the people that you're selling to are people and they have mm-hmm. this expertise, but, but they have problems to solve. They have issues at work that keep them awake at night. Um, they have professional goals they want to meet and the you know the more quickly or the quicker you can assess how what you're selling will help um, solve those problems for them so they can sleep at night or help them meet their career goals it the faster you can find success for your product because it really people buy solutions they don't really buy technology and um and people buy solutions that that solve their problems that um, as opposed to, you know, um, what we think we're selling, it really comes down to what people need to buy. So, yeah. So in that sense, it's, it's been very similar job to job to job where uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. it's understanding what the problem is that you're selling against and the emotions that the people have that are buying mm. it and fitting, mm. fitting what you're selling to that. Okay. So the, okay. So then, the, so then like, do those do those problems and emotions kind of rhyme with what you've done before, or there is there a difference here? Um, I think you know. I think as for the SAP community um, and for the environments that we're selling into now, I think for the most part we're selling against they're big problems, right? I think that, yeah. and I don't know if it's definitely if it's technology based or if it's just uh, based on the times that we're living through, right? I think yeah. that, that one of the things is, you know, the folks that we work with at the big, the big organizations that we sell to, that, you know, the Cargill's, the 3M, um, uh, the Ecolabs, the CHSs, those are big organizations. And they have lots and lots of, of customers of their own. 
and who are looking to them to um, to do a good job every day, right? To mm-hmm. to make good products, to to know what their supply chain issues, to come up with things that keep us safe and healthy, and and you know even prior to COVID, which is obviously causing a lot of companies to have to reinvent themselves, we were you know dealing with organizations that that, again, have lots of lines of business, lots of products, lots of problems they're trying to solve for their customers. And so in that sense, I think the scale of maybe some of the problems that they're charged with solving might be a little bit bigger than um, your average than your average target market. Sure, um, sure. I think having a healthy respect for how hard their jobs are to uh-huh. really help to... Um, um, you know, I think it, it helps to to focus on how we can help them, how we can help have their back, and help them do a job that's really a difficult job to do in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting, John. I know you have John. You have marketing your background, at least at least I think uh, college wise, right? Am I right about that? Muy muy poquito, but yes. <laughs> oh, something in a language I don't understand uh, that means a little bit, I think. Um, uh, very small so, amount. Very small amount. So, so bounce around what Amy's been talking about because, because you especially have been around SAP stuff longer and SAP services that we do uh, longer, both, both, both in Mindset and other places as well. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking, I want to have your perspective on what things look like when when marketing is taken seriously in that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, it's it's super interesting to me because, well, funny funny joke first. One of my my good buddies is a marketing manager for a company, and we always joke back and forth like, "Oh, marketing marketing is just uh, just liquor and guessing." You know, <laughs> you're, you're just you're just trying to get people at events and guessing at what they're going to buy, and that's. <laughs> Nothing farther from the truth, but still funny, funny to say. Um, no, from my, so, so my background comes, so I do have a, a degree in uh, business administration with a focus on like MIS and information systems and all that. But part of my electives were all marketing based. And so mm-hmm. I, I always really liked the topic, like building a business, building a brand, building, building something and bringing that to SAP. It's, I, I kind of agree with what you said at first, where there is a difference between SAP and other tech, at least to me. It's not like we have a, like the, we're not a company that has a technology product, right? We're, we're yeah, not selling yeah. like a, an Amazon Alexa or we're not selling a, an iPhone. You know, we, we don't have something super shiny and super cool and super high tech that we're we're saying that we own and, and can market and brand and, and put out materials. We're, we're mostly, you know, a consulting services based organization that relies on our people and our people's expertise. Um, that to me is, is the, the bigger difference is that we want, we want to market the skills that we have, not the, not the flashy piece of high tech that's out there. Um, in, in a lot, in a lot of ways, for for mindset and mindsets, SAP environment. Um, it, I don't know the the cross section is really interesting to me because yes, it's high tech. Yes, you know we 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 have software products these days. Yes, we have a lot of super high skilled people. 
and and Amy's done a really, really good job of trying to bring all of those four or five things together and making it flashy and cool and, and out there in the marketplace and, and making sure that we're driving just tons and tons and tons of content. I think before this, any consulting company, and honestly, I think our marketing is a differentiator for us, but um, yeah, any, sure. any SAP consulting company is just, what ASUG can I go to? What... Uh, what can I do at Sapphire? What, How much is you know, the booth at Sapphire? Right? Yeah. right. It's like, <laughs> what are these big events? And that's what they focus on. And that's their entire marketing for the entire year. And that's it. Whereas, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of other things with, with webinars, with mm-hmm. the podcast mm-hmm. here, with, you know, just oh my super God. fun, cool this is content. Like, this is like <laughs> navel gazing almost, right? Because I mean, yeah, <laughs> this is not the this is not the mindset nebula. Marketing SAP is not the podcast, right? Except, like, let's be real. It, oops, it's a, it's, oops, it is kind of part of marketing, right? There's there's like, I try not to be full of shit, but like, this is kind of a marketing thing by itself, right? So mm-hmm. let's let's at least be that, dear listeners. Please know. You you are kind of being marketed to right now. Just, you just, you have been trapped yeah. into the content storm of yeah. the podcast of Paul Moderman. I guess I guess we'll I guess we'll have to have Amy and Kelsey can put their heads together later and decide whether this was smart for me to say or not. <laughs> so now open and honest mindset communication. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, is, is the kimono too open right now? Should we close it back up a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, uh, Jen. I, see, uh, Jen, you also like Amy. Come from a world where before mindset, there was SAP wasn't really part of your mm-hmm. life, you know. Yeah. And and before Amy was around at, at mindset, there there was we had other sorts of marketing kind of activities and things like that. But I kind of want to get your perspective on the the graphic design approach and how it's evolved as we've gone through what we've done at, at Mindset and how that ties together with what we do marketing wise. Like along with being a UX designer, I think something I really focus on is experiences. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that can kind of cross over into other fields. So creating experiences within marketing is something that we're doing a good job with. Um, yeah, yeah. And just like making it, like you make people feel good or that they learned a lot or mm-hmm. that I don't know they're just getting a lot out of it <clears throat> versus just like here's a flyer of oh I don't know what it's like if you go I don't know if it's just like buy this for this buy this for this right. it's not as powerful as like this is what we can offer you and this is the value that we can provide for you and this mm-hmm. is the experience that we can give you mm-hmm. um, so I think we've done a lot of that within mindset now and um, it's been good. Good. That's uh, well, like I, stories. I, yeah. Yeah. Story. Yeah. Like creating the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Amy, Doctor Doctor Lund. Um, oh boy. Uh, I, I'd like to to pick your PhD for a moment here. Um, oh gosh. What is what, <laughs> what is what is something? Tell us something juicy about the world of marketing in general. Like, what is something that people don't know? about marketing that was like oh my god i spend half my time doing this and people don't realize it or yeah people never realize you know tell me tell us about that stuff 
So the thing that people probably don't know is um, how anal- how analytics-based it is. So I think that a lot of yeah. people, like when, when John was sharing his anecdote and, um, uh, you know, about being at certain companies and really the focus is we're going to pick these couple of trade shows and we're, we're going all in and it's super exciting. I think, you know, those are sort of tactical outputs. And, and I think that the, the thing about marketing is, you know, you, you kind of, there's the visual things that you see going to a trade show, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. uh, what have you, or, or the collateral or the website, but there's sort of like this iceberg of stuff that sits underneath that, right? So you, um, spend a lot of time thinking about, or, uh, at least at my show, we certainly spend a lot of time thinking about what our strategy is. What do we want to have happen? Who are the people that we're selling to? What are their problems? How well do we solve their problems? And and how important is it for them to get it solved, right? You mm. kind of start there. And then you spend a lot of time looking at data. So um, like many, many organizations, we use um, Salesforce and, and um, we use yeah. other other ways to capture data to try to say, okay, so this, this webinar it looks like it did a better job of resonating with solving those problems. People stayed on the whole time. They um, asked, they were really engaged. They asked some good questions. Um, it seems like this is a bigger problem. So, so you know, not all shows are created equal. Not all webinars are created equal. So, you, mm-hmm. you know, you put together a plan. You decide tactically the best way to execute that plan. Maybe this time we're going to do more webinars. Maybe this time we're going to do podcasts. Maybe this time we're going to do uh, Super Bowl advertising, whatever it is. Right? You give us this big, op, you know, number of options to do to how to spend the money, um, and you pick those, and then you start evaluating it, and and then you work with the solutions owners, and and they really are charged with understanding the the buyers and their problems, and you go back to them and. You, uh, work collaboratively to see, you know, uh, it looks like we're, we're, we're doing a good job of hitting the mark of being able to answer this, this group of, you know, of, of, um, people's questions and, um, we're resonating with them. I think the other thing is, um, especially for solution sales, something, um, that we're talking about because we're in the SAP community is the selling cycle. These are big problems. So it takes a long time for people to even understand what the problem is. And right. how to solve it. And so the selling cycle can be 18 months. It can be two years because the client might have a really hard time naming what the problem is. They know something's not working well, um, but they might not really understand the scope of it. So you spend a lot of time educating um, to get them ready, willing, and able to have um, a conversation that's meaningful for them with sales or with um, a solutions architect. Definitely. So. So it's, I think there's, um, two pieces to it. One is, is really how, how education based it is. And the other is how analytics based it is. Mm, okay. Okay. Oh, I was excited. I had a quick, quick side question on that, that same topic a little bit. You, you talked a lot about the strategy and the analytics of that. Um, obviously we had a great plan coming into this, this year called 2020, whatever we want to call it. <laughs> and, and uh, then, then Q1 was over and the world decided to change. And that impacted basically every, <laughs> everything that we could possibly do to talk to someone face to face. So yeah. how, my question there is like that, that's got to throw marketing for a huge loop in, in, in the strategy and how we go to market and how, 
we plan the entire year. Um, I just didn't, didn't know if you had many comments around, you know, us changing <laughs> the, the entire structure for, for yeah. how we're going. To yeah. <laughs> I mean, the question is 2020. Thoughts? Yeah. Right? Is it? <laughs> is, is, it? This, is this something? <laughs> is this something? Uh, well, you know, 2020, it's been, I think, for everybody, just sort of, um, yeah, I don't think it's it's going to be unique to say, well, we had to re redo the marketing strategy. I think one sure. thing about, you know, one, one area where it was probably a little easier uh, being in the tech space is, and especially with um, a high growth scenario like mindset, is, you know, your marketing strategy is really only good for three to six months um, when you're in a high growth mode anyway, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and that's where, again, like consumer packaged goods, the marketers there will spend two years thinking about, okay, we're going to, we're going to update our catalog and we're going to add these products because Manufacturing things takes a long time. Um, broadening, broadening out the, the product line takes a long, long time. Technology, you've got, um, you've got companies like SAP making big changes to your space. You've got competitors who are doing their own individual things and that may impact how your go to market would work. Um, you've got emerging problems where, where, um, there's all of these other market dynamics. And so, you know, marketing sort of attuned for technology firms is somewhat attuned to going back and looking at the metrics every three months. I look at I look at our web data every week. I look at our social media data every week. I look at sales the marketing database all the time, like every day. And at the end of three months, you have to say, okay, this is what I wanted to have happen. And and what's really funny is you, you know you start from a, a place of what do I really want to have happen five years from now. Okay, to make that happen five years from now, what do I need to make happen three years from now? Okay, to make that happen, what do I need to make happen this year? Because mm. you don't just get on the front page of the New York Times. You don't just end up in Time Magazine. Um, you don't end up on the Today Show. And those are all things that software organizations I work for have had happen. But to, to be on the Today Show, that means that you might have to be in the New Yorker in 24 months, which means that you need to be in this publication this year, right? Which means you need to have eight case studies rolling out of the year. So it's, it's, hmm. you, you have to have a long view and you have to assess all the time. How well is what I'm doing helping us to get to that, that planned thing that we want to have happen in three years or five years or 10 years, whether it's doubling our market size, doubling um, reaching more clients, moving to new markets, whatever your individual company is trying to do, I'm confident there's a marketer sitting back there saying, okay, for that to happen in five years, this is what has to happen by the end of this year to, to stay on track. For this year, John, to your question, you know, obviously everything went out the window. All of the trade shows were canceled. <laughs> the way that Mindset, Mindset's been in business for 10 years, has generated its leads, has connected with its audiences. All, all of those things sort of disappeared, which was both a little jarring, but also a great opportunity to try a lot of new stuff, like podcasts. Um, we were doing webinars before that, but we're doing more of that. Um, we did video. Uh, we really expanded the website. So it, it really was um, an exercise in, okay, we still want these things to happen, and and what's tried and true is out the window. So what can we do instead? And it's um, for us, it's it's been very busy, but it's also worked out really well. That's, yeah, definitely. Well, okay, actually, 
But actually, so I want to apply a skeptical question to that, Amy, if I may. <laughs> How? Uh, because because since I since I still am since I still don't understand like the PhD level stuff of, of marketing. How, how can you tell if it's working? <laughs> That's a great question, actually, Paul. And Thank I think you. that sometimes <laughs> it's, it's, it's easier to tell than others, right? So one of the things, you know, a few minutes ago, I was talking about, you know, for a company like Mindset, the selling cycle can be two years. And part of the exercise and looking at the data is trying to understand what is the pattern of people buying, right? What, what, is it they looked at this webinar and then we saw them in person and then they talked to the sales team and then they had a, a meeting with a physician. What's the pattern of the sale? And um, so, so I've been with Mindset about a year and a half. And so what I spend a lot of time doing is looking for that pattern. And when marketing has all the data, they can get, we, we can get predictive. We can look in the database and say, okay, this person has done all of these things and that matches, you know, 80% of our market has done these, these 14 things before they've decided to um, work with us or purchase something and they've done 12 of them. So let's Wait, say, let's so can those you, last few things. can you tell me when go I'm going to get fired from my team? Like how, how deep does that data hole <laughs> no. go? <laughs> no, I'm no, kidding. No, I'm no. kidding. no, no. Here on the Mindset um, Nebula, we play no. Stump the Professor. Um. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, I, inter I interrupted you. Um, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> um, well, A, Paul getting fired is like never going to happen because he's the heart of Mindset. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, throwback to and the previous episode. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, two episodes ago. But anyway, I think, yes. you know, the way you know you're working is because everything gets broken down into a series of steps. And so um, the first part of the job, whenever you go into a new environment, is to try to understand what are those steps? What is What are the elements that it took to close the business? What is the path to buy? And then, and then once you understand it and validate it, how many people in the database are, are meeting 80% of this? And how do we get them the last? bit of the way through the selling cycle so the buying cycle really um so that's so that's how you know if stuff's working and before that you know you can look at who came what their engagement was how long they stayed on the webinar did they ask mm. questions anytime we've got people calling you and saying hey could a salesperson please call me that's you know uh, a great indicator as well so okay so <laughs> so the like I, I kind of, I'm curious because high growth firms and going back 25 years now, which is like awesome. What, what is the, what's the coolest, what's the coolest little like project you've ever been part of? And actually since, since I don't want people to think we're full of shit, I want you to exclude mindset from that answer. Right. Whether it's true or not that the coolest thing would have been something you did at mindset. I want to hear about what was the coolest thing you did you know, before mindset, right? Single, like single yeah. project, single, single event, single, whatever. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think, I think the one that people ask about the most and, and it, it really was a remarkable experience was, and I touched on a little bit earlier was um, net perceptions. And the reason, you know, I think it was remarkable was, it, you know, I mean, the, 
the IPO outcome, of course, was great. Um, but to get there, I mean, there was there was a lot of aspects. People ask me all the time, why why was that? How was that so successful? What what made it work? And first of all, it was a different time, right? So there was <laughs> there was a tech bubble happening at the time, so there was a lot of of IPOs, which are more challenging today. So it's not the same environment that it was. But I think um, some of the I think some of the things that I learned there, I still apply today. We still talk about them today. And so um, John touched on this when he was talking a little bit earlier. One of the things about selling technology is, is a lot in a lot of environments, you're selling something very intangible, right? It's it's technology. Um, people might not really understand what it is. It might feel like a black box. Um, some of the things you hear with net perceptions, it was super an interest. It was great. So it was some technology that the, the technology people use it every day because it's the technology that that Amazon uses to um, to recommend books and to recommend things. So they made personalization yeah. software, but when mm-hmm. they invented it, it was just five guys, five PhDs at the University of Minnesota. And um, so your and colleagues is what we, you're saying, yeah, yeah. My colleagues, yep. <laughs> and and we were lucky because the president of the company had been early stage at Microsoft, and that's how we got in Winblad and Hummel Winblad to help us. But the the space itself, you know, we didn't really know what to do, like. There was an idea on the technology of how it would be useful, but this was really before internet retail took off, right? And so mm-hmm. we were looking at it to sort of drive content, and and so I think there was there was a lot of elements of it that made it great. One was we didn't know we had to figure out how what what magic there was in the technology, and what it turned out was we had our initial offering was one where people were going to use the technology we thought to carve out more specific content recommendations. Mm-hmm. And we had this little piece that did product recommendations and companies were like, well, you know, the content stuff's interesting, but what I really want is this little duct tape together piece of crummy code that you can use to do product recommendations. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was great because the product manager marketing, this was one of those things where we're looking at it and was like, okay, we're selling this, but people really want to buy this really, mm. really want to buy this. Mm-hmm. And then we had to define the space, right? The personalization space, personalization software space didn't exist at that time. So we had to build the space for our software to exist in. <laughs> and so we started personalization.com. We did a magazine um, personalization. We started the personalization summits, which was a series of trade shows. And and before you knew it, there was 150 companies that said, yes, we do personalization software too. And the um, and the space became a billion dollar space, and and we uh, were able to IPO at six hundred and seventy million dollars. So that was a really great exercise because it it required a lot of nimbleness to be able to understand the market and to understand the opportunity and really try to weave out what it was going to be. And um, to have both created the space and created the company was was really was really fantastic, and it was a lot of fun doing it. It was a ton of work, but it was it was really it was a great exercise. And I think the thing that was for me why it's super interesting and exciting is because there's been aspects of that that I've carried forward with me in every environment, right? Um, mm-hmm. how, listening mm-hmm. to the customers, uh, being nimble, and knowing 
you know, if, if the space you're in doesn't really work for you, then create a new space and, and go at it that way. So, Whoa, that's fun. totally cool. Holy cow. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's one thing I wanted to ask, at least from my perspective as kind of a wrap up. In the last 10 years, what's changed in what you do? I think the biggest things that have changed is back when I started marketing, you had very, um, well, the role of sales has sort of diminished as the role of the buyers has, has grown, right? And so mm-hmm. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you had marketing doing marketing stuff, passing leads to sales, sales would call and they would have meetings and then they would give the, there would be an RFP and, and they'd sell it. I think what's happened now, as with so many things, whether it's buying houses or cars or software um, or technology, is the buyers are in control of what you're selling. And mm-hmm. um, so you can think you have a sales process, but you really don't. The buyers have a buying process, and, and you're as good as understanding what that process is. And they decide when they want to look at content. They decide... Um, what shows they want to go to. They decide how they want to digest the material that you give them. And um, and they're better at it, it turns out, than we are at predicting what they want. Um, users are very good at, at wanting to be able to find the answers they have. And so you've got an environment where we're all conditioned to buy cars online or to 90% of the sale online, houses, and, and software's the same. Um, people will, you know, the, the length time, um, where people want to spend in a, in a software buying cycle is getting really short. They want to self-sell themselves with mm-hmm. content, mm-hmm. with webinar attendance, mm-hmm. with shows. And then at the tail end, when they feel like they know what they want, they want to call you and say, okay, I'm ready to, ready to talk specifics, but I kind of know what it is. And that is why, again, um, why you see so many marketers, not just mindsets marketing organization, focusing on content and making sure that we're meeting those needs and, and being good good um, stewards of the knowledge that we have in our companies to help people understand their problems a little better on their own and to solve their problems um, at least 90% of the way um, on their own so that they're really ready to accelerate their hmm. buying experience when they're ready to do that. You just contextualized for me more of the why is Amy emailing me asking for a blog or a podcast or whatever, right? Because, because the, the, and, I'm, and I'm being facetious, but also serious here in the sense that, that that little two minute thing you just gave us, Amy, to me is like, to me is like, that's a little fuel in my tank for, okay, I need to do better with what I do in terms of providing those things, content, whatever, because of that, that degree to which the sales process is even more these days, like fueled and kicked in the pants by that kind of stuff that, that helps me understand that. So I appreciate your explanation for that. Um, uh, guys, is there anything else that we want to really drag out of Amy? Dr. Lund, I should say, excuse me. Oh boy! You didn't go to you didn't go to ten years of marketing school for nothing, right? Yeah, That's exactly. Doctor Lynn to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, good grief! <laughs> there was there was a little point in in the in the course of the discussion that we just had. There was a point for me that was kind of illuminating, and you, one of those things that people will probably say, "Yeah, duh, Paul." But like, so 
I was thinking about when you said, when you were talking about the process and talking about discovering what, what's the kind of, what's the problem people want to solve. And as I thought about that, I was like, you know what? The articulate answer to what are you trying to solve is probably the most, probably the most relevant question in like every step of the process we do from the marketing to the sales to every step of the delivery process as well. Right. In other words, Mm-hmm. If if I'm if I'm working with somebody on a design thinking session, that whole that whole week long thing is really just a giant exercise of saying, what's what's the actual problem you're trying to solve, and then when we right. get down into like our agile scrums and we're writing stories, the per- perspective of the story is really, what's the problem you're actually trying to solve, when you need a field on the screen that does blah, blah, blah right? And then when I'm like writing yeah. code, if I'm writing code for a dev task to complete that story and somebody's like, hey, Paul, what's wrong with this thing? My, the thought process I have to take is what's the problem you're actually trying to solve here when, you know, the string is reversed or, or whatever it's, or it's uppercase when it should be lowercase or some, some stupid code thing way down in the weeds. The answer is always connected most pertinently to what's the problem you're trying to solve. And that to me, oh, yeah. I like. I don't know if you saw me. No. Like, I was kind of staring off into space for a few minutes here when you <laughs> said that because it blew my mind <laughs> about how, how like, what is what's your problem <laughs> is like the most powerful question in our whole whole process. Just everything, right? That's, Just that's everything. super yeah. super interesting because all the way up the chain, like, yeah, up to marketing, pre-sales, sales, like how do you define at a company level where you go to market? Like where, what, what are, you know, when we say solutions sales, what are those solutions? Well, yeah. half, nine times out of 10, I tell myself, we don't know yet because you had told us the problem <laughs> and we don't know the problem <laughs> right. until that line of code got written and we yeah. said, oh, hey, I fixed a problem. <laughs> and, and the, you know, the yeah. interesting thing too is at least in the, at least in the, uh, in the delivery slash development process, you can think of it hierarchically, like the design thinking, the the story writing, the, the task execution. But there's a lot of times where until you go down and write the code, all of those layers that what's the problem you're trying to solve will totally change, right? 100%. will totally become a different question once you get down to the, the nittiest, grittiest thingy. Yeah. Well, this, is, this, we, this deserves this deserves a whole podcast by itself, guys. <laughs> it's fascinating to me. It's I'm sorry. Customized. No, no, no. What I was gonna say, I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, I think I think the the whole thing about at least my approach to it, and I think a lot of other marketers' approach to it, and and the mindset approach, and why it matches up really well is um, having a really healthy respect for the customer, knowing. having a better handle on the problem than we do, right? So it's all about listening and and trying to be of service, right? We're trying to be of service. But I think the way you start by being of service is being respectful of the fact that they know their problem and they know how they want to, you know, maybe approach solving the problem even better than how we would want to sell to them. So I think it's, um, yeah, I mean... Now it's an hour later and I'm finally figuring out what I meant to say, which is marketing <laughs> is more about listening, listening than it is about talking, right? I think people think of all of the external things that go out, 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 but um, the listening is, is, is where marketers really 
really provide the value is is Man. trying to hear what's going on and then putting stuff out that answers what they're hearing. Yeah, and and using all of those analytical tools that you do to to power that listening. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So. Guys, to go through this and after <laughs> after like almost an hour or whatever the time is, and, and yet we're still delivering to a PhD insights oh about her own <laughs> profession. That's 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 enormous to me, guys. I think this is I think this is proof positive that we're doing good things on this podcast. I think that's right. <laughs> well, yes, thank oh, you for putting my entire career in perspective. <laughs> I've been leading this podcast my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna walk around. You're gonna walk around the rest of today, and just just a day is like, it's like God. I have. I, I I finally understand what I've been doing, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I finally get it. <laughs> and it was all because it. it was all because I went on a podcast for the company I work at. <laughs> nice to know we have an impact. <laughs> we, we're, we're winning yeah. hearts and minds every day with the mindset nebula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Well, guys, I I think that's pretty good. I think that we can call this episode. A pretty good wrap. You guys, any final thoughts from anybody? Uh, just on anything. John, twenty twenty. Is that going okay for you still? <laughs> I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. Jen, is your internet still still hanging tough? Still good. Still the good. best. Still the best. Still the best. <laughs> the, your picture quality is crystal clear on the Zoom call. It's well done, Jen. Um, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Amy, uh, from on behalf of all of us, thank you so much for helping us get the understanding that that we all wanted to have. And thank you for blowing my mind halfway through our conversation <laughs> oh. and, and taking me out of my thought, thought bubble for a while. That was, that was really cool. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Absolutely. Thanks for having me, you guys. You guys are, are awesome. So it, it's always fun to spend some time with you. So. Cool. Well, that's it for this week, everyone. Thanks for stopping by. Bye. 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 Bye.